Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Time of Grace podcast called Behind the Series. That's me, Pastor Mike. I am here. A bunch of you are listening, and some of you are maybe watching, if you're catching this online. Uh, once again, I am joined with the one and only Amber L.B. Swanson. Amber, now, if people are just tuning in, they don't know that you and I just spent ah, 27 to 28 minutes with technical difficulties, so we're a, yes. we're a bit frazzled. A bit stressed, and that's why I want to tell you a story. Okay, great. So right before we record this podcast, I was having lunch, and a woman from our church who helps run our like mom's ministry, she was there, and she and I started talking about you. And oh. uh, we started talking about all the things we appreciate about Amber, and here's what we said. This was a portion of the list. We said, <sighs> Amber is one of those really rare people who has the experience to say something valuable the honesty to make you lean in and listen to her and the directness, not just to sympathize with your problems, but to offer solutions. Ah, oh, that's sweet. So that's sweet. yeah, we, we did. We thought about you and that just uh, talking out loud made me appreciate like you're this overlap of a compassionate person who knows what mm -hmm. it's like to struggle, like with technology I and, do know what it's like to struggle. <laughs> and computers, but you've, you know, enough about the Bible and maturity that like you have something to say. And uh, what I appreciate about you is you're not just the the warm counselor who's going to say, I know it's hard. You're actually going to show up with your experience and knowledge and say something good. So we, we at our church, and I know a lot of people listening kind of appreciate what you do and who you are. So thank you. You know, you just taught me something very valuable because you just set me right at ease. I was way up here and that was a very kind thing to say. So thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. So we're back with a, a brand new series. Uh, the series is called Me on Team Jesus, question mark. So I had a chance uh, not too long ago to preach through most of the Gospel of Luke. And uh, we're going to jump in and talk about this five-week series about the unique people that Jesus chose. So you want to get, get us rolling? Yeah. So how did you come up with this series? What's the big idea? Um, Have you seen the, the TV series, The Chosen? Yes. Yes, yes. You know, I think for a lot of us, when we watch The Chosen, it... It should have been obvious before, but a lot of myself and other people said, oh, yeah, the disciples that Jesus chose were actually human beings. Right. And they had personalities. And some of them had very noticeable flaws, like like Peter was that guy you went to high school with, or you know, James and John were those two cousins that you have in your family. And I think when we saw it like being acted out, we thought, wow. Yeah. Wow. Jesus had to put up with a lot of stuff from the mm -hmm. people that he chose. And so that's kind of the uh, the origin story of reading through the Gospels. And like Jesus rarely chose an all star yeah. or a valedictorian or a most likely to succeed. He chose uh, shocking and surprising people by his grace. So what was one of your favorite scenes from The Chosen? I love the great catch of fish. Like I could watch it. I've shown my Sunday school class. I've, I have I could watch that over and over and over. Yes. Yeah, where where Jesus gives Peter the look like right before the fish yeah. jump in. Does the net the head <laughs> toe Yeah, because you know that he knows and he's about to rock Peter's world. That is yeah, yeah. yeah, that is top 10 for sure. Awesome. Okay, so as you were saying, like Simon is sort of a train wreck of a guy, right? But hmm. that's what makes him so beloved to so many of us because we can identify with all the stupid things he says, the things he does. So what's the hope for all the Peters out there? that have said so many stupid things. And you mentioned it in your sermon and I do it all the time. Like I can replay the transcript in my mind of all the stupid things I've said, you know, in fact, you and I and our producer Nia kind of keep a rolling 
list going of stupid things that we've said <laughs> in podcasts because it happens. But what's the hope for us if we are a Peter? Nia's going to make her first million with like a coffee table book, oh, just totally. of all like <laughs> dumb things that Christian podcasters Check say. it up for Jesus. <laughs> I've suffered more than Jesus. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, so I sometimes attend a church called St. Peter. And the more I think about that, the, and the more I know about Peter, the more I say, wow, what kind of God could see a guy like that and call him a saint? Yeah. Like sinner Peter makes more sense. Right. But your question, right. you know, what's the hope is that the, the gospel takes people that you would never expect to be holy or part of God's family well, you, the people you never think God is smiling when he looks at them, but because of what Jesus did in choosing us and forgiving us and saving us, like uh, you and I, despite all of our flaws are St. Michael and St. Amber. Um, like the old blessing says, God's face shines upon us and he's, he looks upon us with favor. So I, I think that's the hope. The Bible is just filled with stories of people who didn't deserve it. And yet they got it. God's approval and acceptance. And uh, that's our hope too. So what about if you're married to a Peter? <laughs> asking for a man, <laughs> i.e. my husband. Um, <laughs> what about, what, what advice do you have for the people who are married to a Peter? Or maybe you have a child, either your own or, you know, I teach Sunday school and you have those rambunctious kids who can't wait to talk and say things and disrupt the class or, or do whatever. So what's your advice to people who see or identify a Peter yes. around them? Yeah, I thought about this a lot because I think it's true for every personality. Like every... God-given strength, because of our sinful nature, it goes too far. Yeah. You know, if you're talkative, you talk too much and say something you regret. If you're really compassionate, you know, you you overextend and get involved in situations you really shouldn't be in. If you're a good leader, you're direct. Well, sometimes you're overpowering and people get run over by the bus. And I think when we see that as Christians, like, oh, man, I, I just got to shut my mouth. I got to stop. I'm just going to sit here and not say what we try to do is take, you know, we're maybe up at an 11 out of 10. We're too much. And we just turn the volume all the way down to zero. Like that's the yeah. solution. Yeah. And that's not the solution. Um, the, the solution is to use the gift without going too far. Um, so I think if you're if you're married to one or if you're raising someone, whatever their personality, the, the question I would want to have is, you know, what does it look like to use this gift well? And when are you just a bit too much? Yeah. You know, so when I'm in a meeting, it's really easy for me to dominate and just keep talking and talking. The answer I used to write on the top of my like meeting agendas, be quiet, Mike. <laughs> like I so this, like... relate. I every <laughs> single time that I drive to Bible study, I'm like, please, Jesus, put a guard over my mouth. Please don't let me say a word. Please don't let me say a word. And then I yeah. said that to one of the people in the Bible study once. I'm like, I have prayed the whole way here. And they're like, oh. <gasps> No, like we want you to like, don't not say a word. Like you said, yes. you have to yeah. temper it and that you don't go from here to here. It's like, yeah. oh God, give me self-control. Yeah, exactly. That's the tension between the two things of overusing the gift or not using the gift at all. So yeah. I think that's a healthy conversation to have. Awesome. Okay. So the next sermon is called Jesus Calls the Stressed. And... <laughs> I was feeling so good at the beginning of the sermon. You were talking about your mom and how you came into the house and she was, you know, like working on a bride's dress. And you were saying, you know, so many women are in your life are probably super organized like mine. And I was just like, 
going down the list. You're like, they probably have the whiteboard on the fridge. I'm like, I have the whiteboard on the fridge <laughs> and they have their planner. I'm like, yes. And they don't have time to be sick. I'm like, yes. My to-do list has more than humanly possibly. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then you're like, but <laughs> they tend to be stressed. And again, mm. that's that same tension that like, yeah really yeah. organized and super passionate and on fire but and mm. you said something that really hit home to me which is have to the problem with a lot of us type a's and our lists and our planners is we make them into have to so mm -hmm. what's the problem with have to i yeah. have to do this yeah, I, I kind of stole that idea from the story of Jesus with his friend Martha, where she's so stressed and she gets actually mad at Jesus. Don't, you know, don't you care? She's mad at her sister, just sitting there listening to Jesus talk while there's all these things to do. And I think uh, Luke chapter 10 says Martha was distracted by all the things that had to be done. You know, so she, uh, Jesus, we find out in the story, doesn't think they have to be done. Yeah. He thinks she should just sit down and take a deep breath and choose what's better. So that was like a clue for me of, wow, sometimes I think I have to do something. I have to accomplish this much. I have to check all these boxes. But it, when I stop and think about it, I made up those have tos. Yeah. Like yeah. God didn't send an angel saying, Mike, thou shalt finish these four things or I will be angry. Like uh, I just came up with my own schedule and somehow right. it became like the the almost like an idol I have to get this done or I can't be happy and nothing can interrupt me, you know? So sometimes God interrupts you with a sick kid or a person who needs help. <laughs> sometimes the technology doesn't work like you want it to, or, I mean, I've gotten interrupted by emergency phone calls and someone's dying. And in the end, we're not God. We don't know the future. And the, the object isn't to get done our to-do list, but God's to-do list. And if God wants to tap you on the shoulder and take you in another direction, uh, don't pull a Martha. Just, you know, have to can be a hurricane that strips the fruit right off of the Christian tree. You know, just this constant intensity that of like. That meme. That, I don't know if you can say that again, but that should definitely be a meme. Yeah, yeah have to is a, is a hurricane that strips the fruit off the Christian tree. It's It's hard to be gentle, kind patient and loving when I have to get this done. And I think the thing that really hit me that you said is it can easily become idolatry, mm. our to-do list, which is yeah. exactly not what we want to do, but we make so many things into idols. And another one is I have to, this is yeah. my to-do list. So I don't have time to deal with these things because I have to. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. You already brought yeah. up that Martha lashed out at Jesus. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? And I love in your sermon, you're like, he doesn't care. Like he's on his way to the cross. He left heaven. He's on his way to the cross for you. And you're saying, don't you care? But I think mm. that's sort of a telltale sign that we are stressed out and mm. doing too much when we start lashing out at other mm. people. And you mentioned that, you know, this, the, the cure is to spend more time with him. And I love how you said this because you were like, but you know, you type A's don't go to Bible boot camp. Like I'm going to read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But you actually said, slow down, take in the first line. And if it hits you, just stop and meditate. Yeah. I think that's so important. And I've started doing, 
two years ago, I started doing reading my Bible differently that way. But why is this so important? Yeah, actually, tell me more about that. What what changed yes. in the way you read the Bible? Yeah, so I started, I used to just, you know, open up my Bible and go full speed. And I started uh, prayer journaling my way through whatever I'm reading. And I rarely do more than three or four verses at a time because nice. I pray my way through the verse. I look up words. I, I don't have a great vocabulary. And so sometimes I have to look up the words or I have to go to my commentary and see what that means or what I'm supposed to take away from this. And then I pray about it and I pray about the people in my life, if, if this affects them or how it affects me. And I journal my way through whatever I'm reading. Mm -hmm. It took me um, from January until September 30th to read through the book of Proverbs, which I would have done in a month prior. But wow. because I actually sat and prayed and journaled my way through it, it's a whole different experience. The Bible comes to life in a, well, this is supposed to be your answer, but <laughs> the Bible comes to life in a way that it, it doesn't, if you're reading through it and you miss so much, I've prayed for things that I've never prayed for in my entire spiritual life. Yes. Yes. You're spot on. I, I think a ton about that you can squeeze a seed into a really, really small piece of soil as long as all you care about is getting the seed into the soil. But if the reason you're planting the seed is to grow and produce fruit, you can't have just a little soil. You actually need a whole chunk of soil yeah. for the roots to develop. And I, I think that principle of gardening that we know, we forget that spiritually. You know, before you're squeezing in as much scripture as you can get, but there's no space to think about it, to pray about it, to journal it, to reread it, to apply it to your own heart. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in that spot right now. I'm trying to read the Bible in Spanish and I'm cranking off like five to 10 chapters a day and I'm, I'm reading it. But if you ask me, like, what are you getting out of it? The honest answer is probably just saying that I did it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I want to read it cover to cover, but I, I really do need to slow down and adopt your method. And maybe a lot of people listening are like, why am I not getting much out of the Bible? Yeah. Psalm chapter one says, blessed is the one who meditates on the word, not read it, but meditates on it, which is exactly what you're doing. And it comes to life in a whole different way. I mean, if you really want God to speak to you in his word, which he, he does, you know, it's living and active. We know that um, when you actually sit and examine your life compared to the Bible mm. is when you see such a discrepancy. And that's when the, the change in you happens, you know, when you mm. really start going you know, like I said, the, the things that I prayed about, you know, through the whole book of Proverbs, being a wise person versus being a foolish person versus being a mocker, who are you friends with? You know, the wise mm. man who are, who's sharpening me like iron and God put more of those people in my life and help me to be mm. teachable. And I, the prayers that come out of reading the word, when you actually stop to meditate, it's just such a different thing. So yeah, mm. I would definitely say read your Bible in Spanish, but then go read like three verses of something and mm. just meditate because it's a whole different experience. I don't ever want to yeah. go back to the other way. I've told many yeah. people, I hope I'm not ruining it for people, but I'm kind of a, I shouldn't say this. I mean, there are no hard and fast rules, right? Reading the Bible, you do what you Correct. want to do. If yep. you're in the Bible, you're in the Bible and God bless you. I mean, and he will, he'll work like anytime you're in the word, he will, but I'm, I'm kind of against the whole Bible in a year thing now, because I'm like, you know, if you have the time to actually sit and actually think about your reading, 
that's fine if you want to do that. But if you're doing it to check something off and you're not really getting anything out of it, you'd be far better off. Take three years, slow it down and actually think about what you're reading, pray about what you're reading and make it meaningful versus just zooming your way through. Yeah, I like that. Maybe the one asterisk I put, I'm not against reading the Bible fast the first time through just to kind of get the big picture. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of hard to meditate on some verses when you don't know, like you know, you read Jesus. Yeah, ex- exactly. So sometimes to zip through and just like, okay, yeah. it's like looking at the box top of a puzzle. Yeah. And now the second time through, I really know how these pieces fit together. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say I'm 97% with you. Just it, there's just not many times in life where it benefits you to zip through the word. So slow right. down. Doesn't mean you're bad. Leave those boxes unchecked yeah. and just enjoy the presence and the word of God. Amen. All right. So I want to know, this took me <laughs> off guard, totally shocked me. So Kim lets you plan vacations? Yeah. Thanks for asking, Amber. Um, my wife does let me plan vacations. So yeah, we're talking in uh, one of the sermons about how much it means when someone just checks a box that's on your list. So Jesus checked all the boxes. He finished it so we could go to heaven. Um, Wait a minute, though. Is... Are you the type A in the relationship and is she more laid back? So, I mean, does that make sense? I'm trying to figure this out. Kim and I are both so type A, you couldn't stand it. Okay, well, I'm no. totally confused. Like, so please explain. Like, my, to the... like we're, Kim and I, we both have, if you know the strengths finders personality thing, yeah. we both have like discipline, learner, achiever. So we love boxes. We love research. We love structure. We're taking a, a camping vacation like six months from now. Yeah. And Kim has been like renting library books. I have almost an hour by hour itinerary. All the reservations are made. So I, yeah, I, that is fun for me and it's fun for her. Um, so if we, if like I got fired or something, we would just become travel agents, <laughs> she and I. So, <laughs> all right. Sermon three, Jesus calls the angry. Hmm. Again, you said that anger really amounts to just ego. So what do you mean by that? Because that that I haven't heard that before, but you absolutely hit the nail on the head. What are the things you get angry about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Upon reflection, what hit me is often when I get angry, the other people in the room are not angry. Right. Yeah, you know, so a kid spills a glass of milk at the dinner table. Not everyone explodes as if mm-hmm. anger was the only option. Right. So you know, what is it about me or you? that we're the one in the room who, you know, you can see it on our face or hear it in our voice. Why are we the one laying on the horn at an intersection when not everyone is? Right. And it just makes me think like, you know, maybe it's my expectations of everything needs to be perfect because obviously my life should be perfect. Or wh- who are you to interrupt me or not? <laughs> like yeah. when I stopped and think like, there's just a lot of ego in most anger. It, it's not a real injustice. Like that would make God angry. It's just some annoyance because I expect my life to be perfect and it's not. Right. Yeah. So true. You know, I used to leave, I'm embarrassed to say this, but I'm still going to say it. I, um, Please. I used to leave, I, I used to work downtown. I used to leave for work with just enough time to get there on time. If every light was green. <laughs> yes. And I had to go through like 10 lights. So the probability of that actually happening was almost none. <laughs> and then one day, and it took me months, like this is how not smart I am. Um, it took me months for me to be like, 
you know, I bet this would be a lot less stressful if I left like five minutes earlier. <laughs> yes. Took me Simple a long solutions. time to realize that. Ego. Like Ego. I'm on my way to work, so the light should be green for me. Yeah. Um, yes. But, you know, in all honesty, though, there are some people who really struggle with this. And you mm. hit on that in the sermon. Like there are families that are broken because, mm. you know, someone comes home and the spouse isn't acting as they should or dinner isn't on the table yes. or the children haven't done something. So when this is a real problem with anger and blowing up, um, what do families need to do and and what? What does the person who is dealing with this, who is struggling with this, where's the help? How do they start? Where do they get started? Yeah, you know, that's tough. I, I mean, sometimes anger is just flat out abuse. Yeah. You know, you can't cross dad or he's going to punch a wall or throw something across the room or berate you with his word. So, you know, it's a spectrum. It's hard to answer that question with one answer. In most cases... I think someone has to have the courage to confront it and then not back down when people lash out. So, you know, let's say you're at a kid's sports game and there's just that one parent, right, yeah. who is embarrassingly yes. angry and we're all cringing all season and everyone's joy is being so like someone's got to have the courage to say, hey, that's not okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to come back at you or she's going to come back at you. But just publicly, they need to be confronted so everyone in the room knows. And I, you know, I wonder if that just isn't the spiritual slap in the face to wake some angry people up. Like it's not the situation, it's not the ref, yeah. it's not the kid, it's not the traffic, it's you. And right. and you are not only sucking your own joy out of this experience, but you're doing it for a lot of other people. And that needs to stop. Mm -hmm. Like it needs to stop. This was a fun vacation. We're on vacation. And now you're yelling and we're all quiet in the back seat. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, is, is that what you want? Do you want vacation to be walking on eggshells? Do you want a game to not feel like a game for everyone in the gym? So, yeah, we sometimes as Christians, we we keep the truth inside of us and we're so scared of correction, but it, it just makes things worse. So someone's got to have the courage, pray for it and act on it. And I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm totally willing to be corrected, but this is the time for men to step up because that guy who's yelling mm. at the game, I don't think it's the women's job to go tap him on the shoulder. You know, it, maybe he would listen to that woman, but I know for me, I I wouldn't feel comfortable like going over there being like, hey man, can you tone it down or whatever? Like, mm. you know, this yeah. guy is angry and in front of people, he's not going to want some woman to walk over. But, you know, there have been so many times, Pastor Mike, that I've been in situations and I've just been praying for a man to have courage. Mm. Like for one of my brothers in Christ, like, God, please, like I can see what needs to be done. See, my number one personality trait is strategy, which is a total bummer for a woman to have. But I like can see what needs to be done, but I'm like praying like, God, please, like this would be a better situation for a man to address this and to, you know, be on this. I don't know. Am I wrong? Yeah. I don't think you are. Um, yeah, I'm just thinking of, I'm thinking of a wife in a Bible study years ago that I was at, who just kind of quietly said like, why don't, when my husband is being like that, like, yes. why doesn't someone say something? Right. And 
you know, she knew it was going to be messy and it was easy for him to blow her off. But when everyone else saw it and kind of just like quietly shook our heads, but didn't say anything, I, she, she was just aching for someone to be like Jesus, who in the sermon that I preached on this, like said to James and John, like, no, 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 no. Like he, he was the man of courage who shut that anger down, defused the situation and moved on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I want to think about that more, but you're, what you're saying rings true to me. Yeah. So if there are women in the crowd, go ahead and, you know, text one of the guys and be like, Hey, you should maybe <laughs> think about doing something about this. Anyway. Okay. So would you feel the same way if it was, if it was an angry mom, would you feel like that's a woman's job Mr. to Mike, address? Do you not know me? If it was an angry mom, I would have already been over there. Like I'd have my <laughs> arm around her and be like, I know it stinks, but honey, sit down. Like we're okay here. So no, you don't have to ask me to act. Nobody has ever said, gee, Amber. In fact, there have been times there's, well, I don't know how much I should bring up, but there was a certain family in our congregation that I was helping watch their kids and at one point, the kid got away from the dad and started taking off, you know, and I was right behind, like, you know, like I, you, nobody has to ask me to act like that's mm-hmm. not my thing, but that's kind of my personality. So yeah, I, love I have it. to say, I love so when you started the sermon series with, with Peter, you said, there's probably going to be like one sermon that really hits you. And, you know, that's really geared towards you, but maybe not all of them. <laughs> And, you know, think of sending that one sermon to the person you think about. So I listened to Peter and I'm like, well, that's clearly me. And then you're like the stressed out. And I'm like, well, yep. And I was like, well, anger doesn't affect me at all until you're like, well, ego. And I'm like, oh, that's so the fourth sermon is me and team Jesus, even if I'm greedy. So by the time I got before I even listened to greedy, I'm like, okay, God, I'm just sure I'm greedy anyway. Just talk to my heart because I know this is going to affect me too. But so are there more, are there different ways to be greedy and generous other than money? So we mostly mm. think about people being generous with their money. Yep. Are there any other ways to be greedy and or generous? Yeah. So I'm going to steal a quote from a pastor I heard about a decade ago. He said, greed is the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Mm. So God gives me time. Yeah. Well, that's really about me. God, you know, gives me a thousand dollars. All of it, all thousand is for me, my savings, my investments, my retirement, my pleasure, my recreation. So going off of that definition, I think for sure you can, like, I have these talents. Are those just for my like notoriety to impress people? Or did God give me these talents and gifts and personality to serve other people? It's not just for my consumption it's for serving people with compassion so yeah i think greed or selflessness is more of a lifestyle and not just a financial thing mm-hmm. um, it's an easy application to see because maybe you can track you know i can i can look at the budget and say oh yeah i gave two or ten or twenty or whatever percent or nothing so it's easy to see greed when it comes to money not so much with time talents but i think that's a great application too Well, I just know that there was a season, you know, when I was staying at home with my kids that I was at church a lot. I spent a lot of time volunteering at church, but we have very little money. Mm. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, I've worked far more. So I can't, I can't be at church as often as I was before, unless I quit my job. 
And um, so, you know, it just feels like different seasons. You maybe have different resources to give. And yet on the same token, when you think about greed, especially when you're listening to the sermon, don't just get stuck on, hey, am I giving what I should in terms of money? But do you have time that you could give or could you be praying for people instead of just praying for yourself all the time or? Yeah, it's good. Okay, you mentioned how often greed gets in the way of us living with integrity. You were talking about like you get, you know, you go to play, pay for your kids and you're like, well, they're only six months over, you know, so we can just <laughs> say they're 12 instead of paying for the 13 year old. And how mm-hmm. easy it is for people to say, well, the reason I'm living with my significant other is because it doesn't make sense for us to pay both pay, you know, 800 or a thousand dollars a month when you know we could mm. just be paying mm. one but you're calling it what it is you know we call it convenience or hey you know they charge an arm and a leg we shouldn't have to pay you know 14 mm. bucks for a 13 year old but five for a 12 year old you know we tend to justify it, but you called it out you're like greed is greed like it's wrap it's it's messing with your integrity here so yes. why shouldn't we sugarcoat these things yeah. with justifications and with, you know, uh, it's convenient. Yeah. If you go back to one of the basic ethics of Christianity to treat others as you would want to be treated, if the tables were turned, like if you had a business where you had set a price for a product and then someone lied to you about it, would you say, oh, I, okay, that makes you sense. be you. <laughs> No, if you were the parent and you made the rule that you had thought about, like, right, if we're, if we're on the other side of the situation, we, we hate it when people are dishonest. How can you look me in the eye and not tell me the truth? Yeah. How can I respect you if I know that you do that? Um, Man, my brain flashes back when I moved to Appleton in 2014, I joined this uh, men's 35 and over soccer league. I was just about to turn 34. So I was a little bit under and I called the place and I told the situation like, hey, I'd love to play soccer. I'm not quite old enough. And the guy's like, oh, it's okay. You know, people yeah. make exceptions. Well, I get on the field and right, because I'm one of the younger guys there, I, I maybe got an extra half a step. And I remember this guy in his 50s like, hey, how old are you? Ouch. Here, here, here I am. I'm and like, I'm the pastor, I'm the, by the way. I'm, yeah, like he didn't know that yet. And I, I left that out of this conversation. <laughs> and like, oh man, the temptation to, to be dishonest. Um, it was just fierce in that moment. So yeah, on paper, it's like, be honest, don't be greedy, be generous, don't lie. But in those moments of temptation, that that's a real thing. Um, so it's so amazing to me, you know, in this sermon, we talk about Matthew and tax collectors, that Jesus was famous for being the friend of tax collectors. He, was, he had a reputation for rubbing shoulders with greedy people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really profound to me. Um, Zacchaeus, I'm going to stay at your house today. Um, the Pharisees, this guy's a, you can't trust him. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So yeah, yeah, these sermons in my experience, like they cut deep and then you just step back and say, but Jesus didn't kick them to the curb. Yeah. And there's so much grace and his perseverance with really messy sinners like us. Yeah. Also one of the top 10 chosen scenes too. You brought it up in the sermon, but Mm. calling him Matthew when Peter's like, whoa, 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 (laughs) what are you doing? Yeah. Like, and how yes. often, I mean, we laugh. I've said that so many times. We laugh. Even one of my favorite scenes in the Bible is um, Mary and Martha when Lazarus is dead and Jesus goes down. And he's like, you know, 
roll the stone away and they're like, wait, 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 it's been four days. It's going to smell, you know, like Jesus yeah. <laughs> doesn't know these things, you know, like, and, but the funny thing is how often in our prayer life, aren't we like, God, I'm sure you don't understand this. I'm sure you don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to clue you in so that you can answer my prayers exactly how I want you to. Yes. Okay. Sermon five, Jesus calls the broken. You talk oh, about being I love this one. real, transparent, and telling the scary. I thought this sermon was scary. This was a really scary sermon <laughs> because you're asking people to tell the deepest hurts, the deepest temptations, the deepest, mm. the things that like go below surface level. And that's mm. why I asked this question, like with whom, because I'm I, not with everybody, with whom, mm -hmm. when, under what circumstances are you saying this is important to do? Yeah. Good question. Um, I, I would preface it by saying my fear for contemporary Christianity and church culture is not that we have too many oversharers. For every one person who like, whoa, that was too much too soon. I think we got 99 people who hold back and they struggle in silence and tough marriages get to really bitter, broken marriages and little problems with alcohol and pornography balloon into full-blown addictions so yeah yeah maybe we're going to put some some boundaries on this so you don't just tell the person at quick trip or costco hey i'm i'm, I'm struggling facebook. with drug use or <laughs> i'm flirting with an old boyfriend like yes. yeah yeah facebook might be a good example but i i'm guessing most people listening need less of a warning like don't share too much and probably more of a push and the Bible's push who is that share it with. So who though, like yeah. truthfully. Yeah. Um, the Bible, I think gives two specific answers in James five, where it says, confess your sins to each mm -hmm. other. It's in the context of like, you're struggling. You might be physically sick and you call the pastor. Right. So um, I think James says, you know, the pastor might even come to your house and you're going to pray and you're going to confess your sins and talk. So that for sure. Um, and then number two, in Galatians 6, it talks about bearing each other's burdens. You know, if you have a real burden, a real struggle, and it says those of you who are spiritual should do that. And this is right after the famous section of the fruit of the Spirit and walking with the Spirit. So I'm going to look for someone who is spiritual. Um, they might not have the same struggle as me, but if, you know, I see someone who loves God, is sincere about their faith, man, I... Maybe it's just been my experience, Amber, but when I open up to most people, they're incredibly great. Mm -hmm. They're like, wow, me too. Or I didn't know you were going through that. I'm going to pray for sure. Or how can I help? Or yeah. God loves you. Like, man, I've tried to live a really, really transparent life for the past well, 10 to 15 years. And it just hasn't backfired on me yet. I've I've been really blessed. And people like that, they don't know. They're not like professional counselors. They're just Christians who struggle. They love the grace of God. So that, that's what I think, man. If, if you're in a, a small group Bible study, if you have a close friend who loves Jesus, be real with them. Be honest. Don't lie. Like God put them in your life to help you, pray for you, encourage you, forgive you in Jesus' name. So lean into that. It's a, an incredible gift. And it really is what the Christian church should be. Remember, I know you remember this, but the um, abortion sermons that you did, and I did some podcasts on it and talking to, I interviewed a woman who had told no one for 40 years. Mm. 
that she had an abortion. Like going to church that doesn't tell anybody. I remember mm-hmm. someone wrote you a long email, like 27 years, sat mm-hmm. in the pew, didn't believe that forgiveness of sin was for her. Yeah. Because she kept it to herself. So you're saying like the healing comes when you are brave enough to say to someone, even if it's your biggest regret of your life, I had an abortion, I, whatever, going up to someone who is spiritual, mature, spiritual Christian and saying, I have this weight that I'm carrying. I had an abortion. I've never been able to forgive myself. What do I do? Yes. So that that person can speak grace and forgiveness and healing into your life. Yes. Yeah. It is uh Dietrich Bonhoeffer, you know that name? Yeah. He was a it's German a long name, but I do from... know it. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a German pastor from the days of Hitler. And he wrote a really great book on community. And he just has his goal. I'm gonna paraphrase him and not quote him, but he talked about the, the gospel is so hard to believe when it's just you in the Bible. Like the enemy is just too good at accusing. Yeah, but what about this? Or you did this? Or you you keep doing this? And he said, sometimes you just need to hear the very same gospel from someone else's mouth. And it's the other Christian looking at you in the eye and saying, no, like you are forgiven. I know you don't feel it. I know you're pushing this away, but this is what God's word says about you. God's not mad. Jesus took it to the cross. Yeah. Like that is such a profound personal application of the gospel um, I don't think we have that much anymore. We have just general private prayers of confession to God, but totally. we don't have communities known for like forgiving each other in Jesus name. And there's just something shame releasing, guilt erasing about living that kind of Christian life. Remember the abortion sermons though, how there was that woman who went to her mom, her godly Christian mom, and the mom said, get rid of it. So mm-hmm. what do you do? Pastor Mike. If you become brave and you mm-hmm. go and you tell someone, you know, I'm pregnant, I'm out of wedlock, and yeah. they answer you not in the godly way that you you and I are talking about, grace yep. and forgiveness and let's get through this, but they either, oh, how could you? Or, yeah. you know, yeah. what what then? So speak to the person yeah. who, who actually yeah. has, has done this and has had a terrible experience has sure. gotten pointed in the wrong direction, has had a weight. What then? Yep. I'd say two things. Number one, all of us make mistakes. Sometimes you confess something that's really big and emotional and people don't react perfectly. So I wouldn't want to give like, you know, my mom gets one strike and then she's out. Or <laughs> I had this friend and I confessed and like, it was so awkward, she's done. So you might have to have the courage to go back and say, hey, like, it was really hard for me to bring that up. And it was really hard to hear your reaction to that. Um, see how they react to that conversation. They might say, you know what? I'm sorry. You're right. I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I was scared. I, it, it was dumb. That was sinful. It wasn't loving. So you might be able to like have a really good, deep relationship out of that conversation. And if by chance they blow it off and they're like confused and they think it's just you and your stuff, That's probably your cue, Galatians 6. This is not a spiritual person who's walking with the spirit, who's filled with the fruit of kindness and gentleness and love. And I'm going to have to find a different option if I'm going to work through some tougher things in my life. Yeah. 
such good advice. I've said that before too, in my podcast, the abortion podcast, I'm like, if you tell somebody that you're pregnant and they overreact, please come find me. Like, you know, like, mm, yes, like yes. there are other people out there, but sometimes it's hard to find them or sometimes you don't know who they are, or where they are, which is, yeah, can be difficult. Yeah. yeah. Last thing I'll say real quick, church culture is more like a, a cruise ship than a jet ski. So we have this big old ship, you know, whatever church you attend. And if kind of the culture of it has been, we, we come to Bible studies and we learn good facts and we don't talk about life or the messy stuff, no disrespect to you or to me, Amber, but probably one podcast isn't going to be like zoom, <laughs> like 180, that giant cruise ship. Like that's going to take a long time to slowly turn around. It's, it's not a jet ski. And so, you know, just be understanding. I'm, I'm, I'm really blessed to be part of a church culture that's really open and honest. But if you're part of a church that's not there yet, um, maybe God is going to use you to just slowly turn it 10 degrees this year. And you're going to open up at your small group and not everyone's going to know how to get on that kind of culture. But there's going to be one, one person who afterwards over snacks is going to say, hey, like, thanks for saying that. I've, I've been there too. And like you're going to be a blessing to one or two or five or 10 and and that's going to like trickle and create a new culture. So don't, don't expect it in an instant this is a big thing to change humility, honesty, transparency. But I hope as the sermon series proves to you, the Bible is really transparent with Mary Magdalene and Peter and anger and David and adultery and Saul and murder. Like we know because the Bible wanted us to know the messy, broken parts of people's lives. Oh, it's beautifully said. Great sermon series. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you. I'm happy you did. I, I did too. We just had a, a little survey on our church social media. What was your favorite sermon series from the year? And this one got a lot of votes from people. So oh, I believe it. Yeah. yeah people have to yeah. watch it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Actually, this month at Time of Grace, here's a really cool companion book I'm excited about. If you're watching the video, you can see me holding this up. It's a brand new book called, You Know God Loves You, Right? Oh. Amber, have I ever told you the backstory of where that title comes from? No, not at all. Yeah. So it is my almost unfailing practice when someone confesses to me as a pastor or I'm in a small group and someone says something really vulnerable. Uh, I'm the first one to speak and I look someone right in the eye. And that's, those are the six words I say. You know, God loves you, right? Because mm. before I'm going to give you advice on how to fix this thing or how to get out of addiction, I just need, I'm going to get to the gospel as fast as I can. And uh, it's incredible how people react to that question. So we wrote a book. It has these really cool tabs on the side for maybe you feel insignificant or like an outcast. You've relapsed, you're apathetic, broken, greedy, stressed, all the things we talked about and so much more. Uh, I'm really excited for people to get this book. So if you're interested, go to timeofgrace.org. Look for this resource called You Know God Loves You Right. And we hope it's a blessing to you and to your faith. Well, Amber, you know what? We started with some bumps, but I, I feel like God smoothed out this road. Isn't he yeah, good to us? He usually does. That's awesome. Well, any last words for our friends? No, not at all. I'm all worded out. Yep. <laughs> Me too. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, so good to have you support Time of Grace. Uh, we hope this is a blessing to you, and we hope you have an amazing day. <laughs>